0: It's easy to hear your favourite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.
2: I feel like I speak to you more than I speak to close friends.
1: Consequence
0: Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, for making your way here, checking out the episode, checking out the series, hit that subscribe button. Of course, so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. New ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, ACast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Mirror. Today I'm talking with Lump. That's Laura Marling and Mike Lindsay. They're back with their sophomore record. It's called Animal. And they're going to tell us about taking some uh, inspiration from uh, Bowie's uh, Berlin years, visualizing The world of Lump is sort of a a Stranger Things upside down sort of place, and the possibilities actually of expanding the visual presence of the project. Now, for her part, uh, Laura Marling also discusses finding meaning within her freeform lyrics, uh, portraying a more masculine side of her personality and the American hedonism that weaves its way through the songs. Uh, I I had so much fun doing this one, and I love this new album so much. It's Kyle Meredith with Lump. Hello. Howdy, howdy. It's great to hear from you both uh i'm i'm such big fans of what you both do but i'm especially big fans uh, uh of what you do together uh now that we're hearing this uh this new lump record with animal uh seriously i mean you guys have such interesting chemistry that plays against i guess your your usual type let's just start with the with the very basic question uh did you always know that there was going to be a second record and and what kind of put this one in motion
2: we didn't, know. We by no means. We, we, we thought it was a one-time thing. And the reason we made a second one, I mean, apart from the fact that Mike started working on new music, which was music to my ears, literally, um, was that we'd done shows as a live band, because of course, well, not of course, the way that we started wasn't as a band, it was just as this kind of studio project. And then as a live band, we we felt like part of the band all of a sudden. And um, and then we carried on, made another album. So,
1: Mike, what what for you? I mean, uh, just jumping in to make the music again, like there's a lot of different musical emotions all over this record, but there are certain points on it where I kept thinking about this uh, like post-Cold War feel, if that makes sense. And I think you get that a lot of time with electronics, although it's not given. But uh, but there kind of is that sense to me, at least as the listener. Was there anything that you found yourself gravitating towards, you know, sonically?
3: Wow, I never really heard it being called post Cold War. I like, I kind of, kind of like that. Um, yeah, well, I guess I, I mean, I suppose there's, yeah, there's kind of um, analog synth and late '80s synth and, and things like that. But I, mean, I, I would more put it in the sort of Berlin '70s years, you know, and in, in the kind of uh, Bowie and and uh, and Eno world. Um, in fact, I was trying to use. Some kind of uh, instruments that would and and uh, and and machines like this guy over here, this H nine four nine that was used in the seventies, and trying to trying to bring a kind of collage of texture that would sort of be a bit timeless, a bit kind of now and a bit uh, twisted, otherworldly, which was invented back in those days. I would say so. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the question was now, but something about the when. Was <laughs> <laughs> it? it- it sort of is interesting, this,
1: this whole old style, but future looking at the same time. Like there's even a point where um, I, I think you all talk about it when, when it's the, the voice of Lump, uh, the, the character uh, comes in uh, and um, in, in Gamma Ray, that's it. And it was really reminiscent to me of Prince at the beginning of 1999, when that sort of same voice comes on and, you know, I am not, I will not hurt you. I, you know, I just want you to have fun. And that was so future looking at that point, you know, and as you make this music, Listen, I don't think I have a question mark at the end of this thought. That's that's the problem with this. I like where but... it's
2: going though. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea that that lump's too ahead of its time. <laughs> what's wrong with lump?
1: <laughs> Nothing is wrong with love. That's I think that's what I love about it because you know, while they were make while they were using these sounds, they were so looking at the future. And as you're in the future looking at the past, I mean it's this weird thing that kind of goes back and forth while you're making this music. I,
3: I find that very interesting, at least. And that's the question mark. Yeah, well, we're not even looking at the past or the future. We're looking at the parallel, you know?
2: Ooh. Yeah, Mm. yeah.
3: And uh, those voices of lump that you're hearing on Gamma Ray, the uh, excuse me, I don't think we've been introduced, and then the uh, which I think is uh, lump language for uh, the word lump. Um, That's happening, uh, you know, in a different time and planetary existence. So what is the universe here? Do you all
1: imagine that far as to, like, what what is that parallel universe what where are we seeing what is this world that we're experiencing
2: I mean I kind of see it like the upside down in that tv program what's that tv
1: Stranger Things
2: Stranger Things which is kind of like a um you know when you find yourself I have a recurring dream about being in a car forecourt in the middle of the night in a like petrol station gas station forecourt in the middle of the night like the lighting's weird you know it's strange lighting and everything's slow and sludgy and you can't move fast enough. That kind of thing, it's like that. It's like a weird dreamscape or something that Lump lives in.
1: It sounds scarier than, 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 the, than the actual record is though. I'll, I'll say like, I, I never feel scared when I'm listening to the record, sometimes uncomfortable, but.
3: Uh... <laughs> yeah, I would say that. I mean, that is quite a scary, scary place, but within that place, I imagine there's, you know, some kind of uh, lump um, sort of play area where uh, yeah, you, know,
2: you know so uh,
3: it looks a little a little edgy and creepy on the outside but um, it's actually lots of fun a bit like Margate where I live actually that's where we made the record actually so um, you gotta have you gotta have a, a, a bit of a bit of um, edge and dark with the fluffy um, sweetness oh, <laughs> it's probably a tagline
1: somewhere in this uh, <laughs> final article <laughs> goes along with that Laura, when, when I hear you talk about the lyrics and, and the way you get to approach this as sort of more free form than, than you might usually, like um, I was thinking about um, something Michael Stipe, probably peering over my shoulder, uh, recently said uh, about a lot of his lyrics sort of being nonsense lyrics, but he still wants to offer, if you're looking for something, that you'll find something e- even in this you know, as you're putting them together, does that become part of it? I mean, uh, like, I'm amazed at how poetic it can be when, you know, you're just sort of letting these ideas drift in. But it's like, at some point, it does start to make sense, at least to me. What about to you?
2: Definitely. I mean, the whole, I mean, I'm a big fan of trying to put people off the scent of what songs are about anyway, to to let them have their own experience of it, Um, which sometimes a bit of a boring thing to say, but what the process of making an album in the way that we did it was, you know, just writing lyrics as as quickly as possible and putting them to the music on the microphone as as quickly as possible. And then you listen back to them and then you realise what you're actually saying, which is quite often, um, I mean, I think that's a very common experience, artistic experience, whatever, but it's exactly what psychoanalysis does or, you know, different types of talk therapy but psychoanalysis specifically lets you say what you think you're saying but it's it's reinterpreted back to you as what you're actually saying because like we all think that we know the story of our lives and how we tell it but actually what's really being said is in between the things you're saying and that's what that's what I feel when I listen back to lump stuff is that I sort of Pretend to have this sense of control over the nonsense because it's nonsense, and I'm controlling the nonsense. But really, at the root of it, you can see lots of uh, strange nooks in my psyche. I'd say
1: came here to swing dicks would be one of those moments. But you know, I and that's an easy one to pick out, of of, of course, because <laughs> of language. But at the same time, it's like, where did that come from? Because you know. Again, when we talk about playing against type, I don't feel like that's a line that I would automatically expect to hear in a Laura Marling record, a solo album.
2: No. Um, I mean, there's a lot of dicks on this album all over it, but... There's something I think inherent, of course, when you're sort of using the language—a slightly unconscious language, I, not the not the linean language that we use to make sense of the world, but the one that's just two steps behind. That's very multigendered, I'd say, or spectrally gendered. And I think I think a lot about, like, I think a lot in um, of what side of my masculinity or femininity I'm presenting at any one time. Laura Marling is obviously quite straightforwardly a, f- a feminine experience or a feminine mindset but in my day-to-day life i sort of i think about p- power as you know i don't i'm not saying this is a statement of not of value but just of how one thinks about things i think it's like a powerful stance being a masculine one or the way that you walk sometimes can be more masculine or feminine depending on what kind of mind or mood set you're in um so i think about that a lot and i think like a phrase like I came here to swing dicks is funny because it's a funny image it also says something about what we think about power um as a culture which is also funny and ludicrous and uh that's it that's that's a very long answer to your question
1: that's a, it's, it's a great answer but it also leads in like the way i hear you sing these lines too like you're using different voices which again is something that you do uh, in in your other work as well but I guess it even stands out even more here, like when there's a lower range, more monotone for one song, and then there's a more falsetto. Like, like when I hear it, I start wondering is like, is this a different character being represented? You know, is is does it allow for those moments?
2: In in, I mean, as a whole, lump feels like a different character for the the uh, different um dramatic voice, you know, that I'm employing. But I don't know, I mean, I, I'm so responding to the music in each, in each circumstance So something like that is a very sort of straightforward, almost piano ballad um, in the center of the album that's very dif- different in sentiment to something like Animal, the title track, which is almost like a 90s dance track. Um, so that it would be inappropriate to use the same voice for them both, I guess.
1: Red Snakes, by the way, that uh, beautiful piano ballad. Um, which I, I should compliment the sequencing on this album. The sequencing is, is so good. How it all just it's perfect. And and, and not, that's a very hard thing to do. I know, but every track hits in that right way and, and every peak and Valley and, and Mike, you know, as, as we're talking about the lyrics with Laura and, and how she's reacting to the music, do you find that you get to do that as well with the music? I mean, as you're, you know, putting, you know, the final touches and, and chopping and doing whatever, do you get to make it where the music is also reacting to the lyrics in that way?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, as is with the first record, it it, start, it definitely starts with uh, Laura reacting to, to what I've laid down musically. But then once that's, you know there's been some themes that have been put into place uh each each track starts to create its own uh sort of arrangement that I wasn't completely aware of whilst whilst writing it so you'd you'd throw on some uh style of voices and, and 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 we'd sort of layer up those those kind of harmonies and things and suddenly choruses would pop out or or other other moments that I didn't know were going to happen so that that happens and I try and um, obviously edit and work with the song after that but the sequencing is the fun bit I think when you've got everything in place all tracks together that feel like okay this is the record and there may be in one or two tracks that didn't make it on the album whatever but for me I would take the tracks with headphones for a walk along the beach um uh, and I would like take it out of the studio, and, and it was kind of nice to just have your own, you know, real real life visuals going on while whilst you're listening to your own music. It's quite egotistical and excellent. Um, and then and then you'll realize what works and what doesn't work, and then you can come back back to the studio and, and sort of play with um, uh, kind of tales and, and and intros and see and see how you can create those those. Um, uh, interconnected moments, which I think make the record. Those in-between bits, I, I think I have mentioned before, but the in-between bit from from the song We Cannot Resist into um, uh, Oberon, I think it is. It's just, it, there's this one sort of 30 second section that feels just like a magical part of the record that you only get when you listen to the album. You know, it doesn't work.
1: The way you talk about it, it reminds me of the way, you know, people talk about when they're creating a film score. Mm. And, and you know and and the callbacks that uh, that get to happen musical you know like uh taking those moment from that song and here again it reappears later on it, it really does feel like I feel like a film score in that way well let's make a film you know let's do it I think like that's that's part of my questions here anyway but it seems like that's such a natural next step for what you all are doing like how much because again you so you've created this world this upside down like and 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 so far, you know, we have the music videos, but could you see this like going beyond that, beyond just music videos, to whatever that means? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's uh, you know comics, and and maybe it's a movie. I mean, wh- where can this go?
2: I mean, that that's, that's exactly, the first time I heard the music that Mike was working on it, which was originally written for a short film. Um, I thought it was so filmic that it was actually going to be hard to think of visuals to give it because you don't want to sort of take away from the filmicness of the how filming the music is and yeah so I did a couple of music videos for this campaign and I tried to keep it as like so it makes you refocus on the music as much as possible and yeah Lump Lump should be doing comic book Maybe maybe a Marvel movie. Maybe maybe we should really aim <laughs> yeah.
3: high. Massive massive <laughs> movies. Oh, <yeah. laughs> but I mean, it is, you know there are these sort of themes of of uh, the upside down and kind of sci-fi and and and, and all of that. But you know, it, and Lump World is it's been a great tool for us to write with and to have as a as a character, you know, to reflect on and, and things. But actually, there are lots of other themes that, that you know kind of feel like. Day to day situations and and focusing on on um, on uh, I don't know what world issues or whatever and and so it, it can lend itself to other imagery other than um, the creepy uh, sort of sludgy car park moments and things you know so um, so uh, yeah I, I, you know like like taking it for the walk along the beach you know when when you, you know when you have headphones on or you go for your run or your canoe or whatever you do um, you you, bec- you become in a sort of uh, sort of cinematic dreamscape anyway, depending on what you're listening to. You know, so um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it, it, I think it can lend itself to a multiple set of
1: Especially, you get a song like a, like Paradise, which just feels epic. Mm. Like I had to go back and look at the track time on that one, and was surprised that it was still only I think like a three minute, some odd second song because it felt like one of those like six seven minute things, like. And, and and that's that's complete compliments there. What you've pulled off in such a short amount of time, it feels so much bigger. And I guess that's why, as a listener and a fan, that I'm starting to go, "What more can I get out of this?" You know, where where because because lump as the character, sure, you know, maybe that's one thing. But I think a lot of uh, you know the greatest uh, film projects or, or graphic novels. I mean, you have that that character that it does embody so many more metaphors.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot this week, actually. Yeah, but I've got nothing interesting to say about it. (laughs) But I do. I have been thinking about it.
1: Well, at least that's something that's on the way, you know. (laughs) I I, I think you were talking about the 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 hedonism part of it, and of course, that's very, very interesting because at one point uh, you dropped the word American before hedonism, and and I I know exactly what that means. But and God, we live. I live through it here in Kentucky uh, all the time but I was curious like was there anything well like why was that on your mind you know as 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 these words were coming out
2: I think we live in obviously in an age of like such gluttony in a way you know but not physical gluttony but kind of um you know we live in a world of fizzy hits and like passive addiction and um I don't know it's all sort of depressing things to say but like there's underneath all of these sort of things that are controlling us on the outside. And I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I'm close, but I'm not. Um, but you know, there's these certain scenarios and situations and technologies that keep us um, satiated and maybe slightly hypnotized. But still, underneath, there's these sort of wild, untamed, libidinal interests in things that are. Um, that are some, in some respects, biological and some respects psychological. And they continue to, you're being, you sort of manipulated from the outside and manipulated from the inside all the time. And the conflict in the two is really interesting. So that's why, that's why I was thinking a lot about desire.
1: Passive addiction is is really the best way of, like, I'm not, I'm sure that's a phrase that may, may have been around. Maybe you just invented it. I don't know, but it's so perfect. Like, the, the argument that I have with myself basically every time I pick up my phone you know yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing like I uh, the era that we're in um yeah. maybe that's why this is landing so hard for me this uh, this album <laughs> <laughs> do you all know how you're gonna pull this off live uh because it sounds
3: like it's complicated um yeah uh and it is complicated Uh, it
2: is complicated
3: (laughs) only because we um saddled or I saddled us sorry Laura with some odd time signatures and and difficult things that when you're jigsaw puzzling together music in a studio is is all fun and games but when you've got to uh got to actually uh do that helicopter thing you know um uh that's quite hard when it's sort of sevens and harder for you I guess with the with the vocal phrasing and the, and the playing is it's that thing where you're trying to desperately chase the one you know um so uh, there's bits of that which um, we find quite quite exciting and challenging um but no it's it's the four-piece band that we um enjoyed putting together for the last record which made uh, the lucky few that got to see the few shows that we did um would have seen a transformation from the relatively ambient album to a kind of more bombastic kind of shoegaze wonder journey. Um, uh, and I'm hoping because the first proper show, Laura, is next Thursday, actually. Secret show. Um, so, uh, in fact, tomorrow we're going to figure out how we're going to do that show properly. So to be continued, but it's going to be great. Let me tell you.
1: What was that line you just said wonder shoegazing, shoegaze wonder? It's a- <laughs>
3: Uh, masters of the wonder shoegaze I, I may have said bombastic shoegaze wonder journey
1: that's it that's it right there that's that's what i want on my shirt that's my lump shirt right there <laughs> <laughs> not that than a coffee mug at least <laughs> i i love it i i like i just want to throw the compliments out here as a finale uh, f- finale let's sure this is a finale why not uh this record is so good though what you all do is so good i don't want to be expectant on a on a on a third record for a trilogy because i like how you all were still able to approach this without planning on it but man i so hope you guys keep doing this selfishly i so hope you keep doing this
2: if we keep doing it we're gonna call the third album trilogy definitely <laughs> that's a great name for third album.
1: put the hard stuff on it <laughs> <laughs>
3: First, first, I've heard of it, and I'm I'm into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Laura, Mike, thank you both so much uh, for continuing to work together and creating such beautiful music together. And 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 again, I'm such fans of what you all do in your other lives as well. So uh thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you both for taking the time to talk about it. Thanks.
2: Well, thank girl. you for having us. Nice to speak to you again. Nice to speak to you.
1: That was actually just last year, uh, the last time that Laura Marling and I had spoken about her most recent record. You can find that interview as well in this series. Just uh, search Kyle Meredith with Laura Marling wherever you're listening to this podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. It's free. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. But it was back in 2018 the last time we talked about Lump, and this time it was just with Mike Lindsay. I'm going to include that interview here as well. Uh, Mike and I got to talk about how he met Laura at a uh, Neil Young concert after party. And then goes behind the scenes of Lump's uh, debut full-length discussing the liberation of writing an entire album in a single key. And we also talked about his other band, Tongue, and uh, an album that they were about to do at that point. So this is part two of Kyle Meredith with Lump. Hey, Kyle. I've been so enjoying this this Lump project so far, which has been the great out-of-nowhere thing for us. I know you all have been sitting on it for like a year now or whatever. But I well, I'd love to hear the story of how this happened between uh, between you and Laura Marling meeting and and creating this beautiful music.
3: Yeah, um, well, we have sort of been sitting on it for about um, coming up for two years actually, because uh, I met Laura properly. Uh, I, we we've come across each other over the past decade in sort of various festivals and things, but never really spoken. But a friend of mine, Simon Ripchester, uh, is playing in her band. So I kind of asked him for a ticket to see uh, Laura I support Neil Young at the O2, which was pretty badass. And he got me a ticket and then said there was a little party happening afterwards in the bowling alley. So uh, that was that was my chance to say hello to Laura and ask her if she would be interested in. Making some music with me. I, I only asked her because I I I'd heard that she was once a fan of my old band, Tongue, or my still my current band as well. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I maybe wouldn't have been so bold as to ask her. if She wanted to make some music, but um, yeah. So she said yes, which was great. And literally two days later, she was in the studio, which I was a bit shocked by because I hadn't I hadn't I wasn't really totally prepared. But um, <laughs> that that was two years ago because she played that show. I think yeah, maybe May two thousand sixteen, something like that. That's crazy, um, though. Yeah, I mean,
1: two days later, and she says, let's do this. I yeah. Mean, you, so what, do you work from scratch, or did you just start grabbing what you'd already had lying around?
3: Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, I kind of did have something lying around that was going to be for a film that never never worked out. And um, I guess because the timing was right for her, I mean, I think, I think I was just quite lucky as well that she'd just finished this big tour, and Semper Femina record was done. But uh, she hadn't started touring that yet, so she had some time. So I didn't, but I didn't realise this at the at, at the time. So, so I didn't know she'd be in so quickly. But yes, I had this this one idea which was um, kind of set a precedent for everything else. So uh, it kind of had some rules around it, like uh, everything had to be in the same key, which is kind of an E5 sort of B minor type key. And I'd recorded some flute for this film thing, which became late to the flight, and then I decided that every track should have this same kind of journey drone made out of the sampled flute so it was very organic because uh, you know she, Laura came in and, and um, heard this one track which was later the flight which I sort of already had and loved it and li- pr- pretty much just wrote those lyrics on the spot within about half an hour and we'd had the, the vocal take done in about two hours and then she went so uh, I didn't know there would be any more than that but um, she kept coming back and we kept doing more and, and here we are speaking
1: yeah it's interesting though um, I've talked to Laura before about her process and I, I don't know if she still does it but especially in those first few records she would do something similar where she would choose uh, a note a chord uh, <laughs> and, and sort of structure an entire record around that where did you guys talk about that were you able to kind of find middle ground because of that
3: I didn't know that information until you just told me it. yeah um, well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. No, we, we, we didn't talk at all. <laughs> we we kind of didn't, didn't have much conversation. That's what was so good about it actually. Um, you know, we, we just kind of got, as soon as she came to the studio, which was at the time in a sort of dark basement with these red lights hidden under seats that felt like you were inside a kind of womb. I uh, we, we just kind of started getting straight into it with with the music and we didn't really talk much about what we were doing. And I didn't question the lyrics. I just sort of, directed a, a bit of melody possibilities and just let i was just you know let Ora, Laura <laughs> Laura do what she does you know which was amazing but I didn't know about that that chord thing and uh, uh, maybe that's why she was she was uh, so so natural at writing for it because um, that is what happened yeah
1: and when you're I don't I mean it doesn't sound like that's the case with this one but when handing over music like that to a collaborator a vocalist who's you know going to put the big stamp on the top of it is there some sense of what you at least hope to get back? Do you do you ever have that, or if it's just like I like you, I respect you. Here's my music. Let's make this something.
3: Yeah, um, definitely the latter. I've always respected her and appreciate the awesomeness of her voice. It's so sort of heritage, and 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 her writing more than more than more than anything actually the the way she writes and the phrasing that goes goes alongside that. So I I didn't have any idea. What she was going to do, but I definitely didn't know that um, she was going to use all these sort of different voices. And I kind of helped her bring those out a little bit because as soon as she started using these kind of more really up close and um, sort of straight in the ear, kind of spoken word singing almost, and in in like late to the flight, and then in Curse of the Contemporary, she's, you know, we kind of tried to see if we could, how far we could take take her. And it's almost this kind of South Korean sort of melody, you know. And I never heard her sing like that before. So. That was refreshing, and that came out just playing,
1: you know. Yeah, no, that was, of course, being the first single, that was our first listen on it as well, and and that's the first thing. It's like, wow, this is really different from her and this sort of um, mm. odd falsetto and, and being bored in California, you know, whatever. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's such a cool song. And I'd read, you know, musically, you're also sort of thematically had made the album cyclical. Uh, I mean, you can, you can just stay on repeat in, in a way. Is that right?
3: Yeah, that's sort of the idea. I mean, I think because everything is related to each other, and I I, I prefer it to be listened to as as one whole or one lump of music. Well um, done. Well done. <laughs> I think it lends itself to that. And strangely, when you take the tracks out individually, they, they sound they sound totally different to me. you know, than, than when they're listened to as one as one journey. And yeah, I guess. The the last the last uh, note of um, Shake Your Shelter, even though it goes into the the credit, but that still that still follows on. It does have fifteen seconds of silence, but if it didn't have that, <laughs> it would it would come round it would come round again. And um and I like records like that. I, I like that it's short and you you want to hear what's just happened because especially with this, it's, it takes you in so many different directions. You kind of need to double back and. And uh, ask yourself what you just witnessed kind of thing I, I you know I feel like that anyway with it
1: so so I want to go back to that, you know, how you were writing in, in one key and and the rules that you put on this, especially you know as you're talking about all the tracks kind of working together I don't know I guess what I'm wondering is does that keep you from going too far outside like does that did that paint the picture for you immediately as to you know how how you would paint this picture
3: well, it's not just the key. It was there's a few instruments that are kind of always there. So there's the flute, and then there's the Moog. I mean, it takes a few different sort of guises, but um, there's the '60s stand-up modular Moog, which is um, doing those rhythms and, and the throbs in uh, "May I Be the Light" and um, "Handhold Hero." It's also doing the drones and the swamps in the other in the other tracks. And I thought I wanted to keep that. And I think because I'd sort of set a key, then I knew that, that, that each track would kind of work with each other, but actually each track I think is kind of wildly different from from the previous track so it didn't limit limit that mm-hmm. um, and and it's and it, when it, when I say they're in the same key they're sort of loosely around this e5 e and B notes um, so you can sort of drift around the keys as well but that you can still use those same same notes and and it's quite nice to work out which chords can you can you can play with within within that that key because you can go either major or minor or I didn't find it limiting. I actually found it found it liberating.
1: Nice. I, I started thinking about, <laughs> this is going to be one of those odd transitions here, I started thinking about how comfortable I am in a very small room versus a very big room. You know, it, kind of one of those <laughs> style of things, you know, put me in something, you know, with uh, the security blankets, uh, I guess. I don't know if I'm anywhere yeah. near what we're talking about here, but that's the that's the sense I get anyway.
3: You're cozily near, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's good. And especially when, when it's a collaboration. I mean, um, that's, that's already quite, quite a daunting process to work with someone that, you know, you, you hold in high regard, but also, you know, you've never really come across their working patterns or behavior before. So if there's a few simple, yeah, blankets, if mm. you like, in mm. place, then... Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it 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 seems to seems to hold together. Yeah. Now
1: live, are you going to be doing the album like straight through front to back as it's recorded?
3: Yeah, we're doing it like that. But uh, there's actually four pieces. There's a, a drummer and uh, a, and Simon, who who was our mutual friend, as a guitarist, stroke bassist, Him and Laura swap between a twelve string and a Hofner bass. But it's vastly extended, so it kind of becomes like an hour. Sort of journey and uh, gets quite shoegazy. Actually, it's quite, it's quite, it's a lot more powerful. I think. That's that,
1: that that would have been the obvious question. It's you know, it's a it's a record that's barely over a half an hour. You know, how do you put yeah. that into a full live setting? Uh, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but it, it it sort of there's because of this the the fact that there's the drone and and, and there's these these sim- similar moments between each tracks. Then the the bits in between the tracks almost become new tracks like in, in the live in the live show. I think each show will will, will evolve as well. It's Wait, not you. it's not it's not a three hour epic. It's definitely an hour show, you know.
1: <laughs> you're, but you're not you're not like splashing covers in the middle like some bands would do in this case, where
3: it's like, oh, no, no, we, we need we, to. We, we talked about it. We talked about doing that, but actually, we like the whole point of the record is that it's you know it is what it is, and it and it, and it keeps you in that in that meditative kind of state. So it felt wrong to try and do anything else. So that's what we're doing.
1: On your other uh, life with tongue, I, I noticed there was a new track that popped up online. Is that right? A bop, maybe. Is that what it's called?
3: It is called a bop. Yeah. Um, which stands for a bloom of phosphorescence and
1: uh you're gonna be i read uh the original lineup for the first time in a long time as are, are, are together on this record right
3: that's right yes yeah. um first time in 10 years uh with sam back in the band me and Sa- me and sam started the band together 2004 i guess um and uh we got him back yeah so um yeah we've got a new record uh coming out in the uh, end of august so gonna be yeah it's the first time i've had a, two records out sort of at a similar time it's quite confusing but I like the challenge.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like we need to, you know, do a completely different interview to to give the attention on that, and 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 I'd like to in the future. But uh, but but while we're here, I mean, that's that. I just heard this song for the first time this morning, like right before the interview. I thought, oh wow, I should probably hear that going into this. But I'd love to hear uh, more about this project if you've got the um, if you've got the sales pitch all set and ready.
3: <laughs> I mean, tongue changed my life. You know, yeah. it's. Uh, our tongues are kind of—it's um, a band that's traditionally kind of uh, um, melded uh, electronica with with a more kind of pagan folk, uh, sort of Bert Jansk and Pentangle type type uh, type music together back back in the early 2000s, and, and it's sort of always evolved. We've done this is like the sixth record, but it's uh, I don't know what it is anymore—experimental prog pop wonk or something—but. <laughs> um, it's fun, and uh, and actually, Sam Genders is is um, uh, is the only other person I know, uh, uh, other than Laura, that can sit and listen to a, a texture or a palette of sounds and and a, and a minimal arrangement, and and let um, the music flow through him and, and come out with a with a poem, and uh, you know, um, from straight pen to paper, um, just by listening. Um, on, on, only him, and I thought I thought everyone could do that that was songwriters, <laughs> until he left the band, and I realized that. We can't all do that. And um, and I've produced other people that, um, you know, have their own methods, but it's ne- never quite so immediate. And then I met Laura, who who um, is one of those. You know, it's pretty special to meet these people.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm becoming such a fan of your work so quickly here. Uh, and it must be such a interesting, you know, fun way to do this, having two things going on at the same time. It, it actually just sounds like a very busy summer and fall for you.
3: Yeah, I just bought a house as well for the first <laughs> time. So just, uh, just before I came up here to speak to you, I'm just priming my walls ready for the Um, uh, drawing room blue paint that I'm going to make in the home studio. It's all happening, you know. It's all happening. You know, I think it was just strange timing because I didn't know when Lump was going to appear and become what it's become. I didn't know it's going to become anything actually. So it just happened to to be ready to to be let out into the world now. Um, you know, coincidentally at the same time as the tongue record was sort of almost ready to do that also. So that's how it goes. Yeah.
1: Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, good luck on the house, on making sure that uh, everything gets uh, going as <laughs> so promoted as it's supposed to be promoted, I guess.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I appreciate it. And um, and we'll catch up again, uh, hopefully, once the uh, tongue records are ready to be released.
3: Yeah, give me a shout. I'll, I'll tell you more.
1: Yeah. All Great. right, man. All right. Take
3: care. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Bye. Bye. Again, my thanks to Laura Marling and Mike Lindsay. The new Lump Record is called Animal, and it's out now. Thanks to you for, again, checking out this episode. Hit that subscribe button before you get out of here so you can keep up with the brand new interviews that we put out every single week. Three a week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith With. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spans, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, at (laughs) WFPK.org. consequence has your music and film news you can also find me on the social media spots uh, facebook instagram and twitter all three of them at kyle meredith Uh, please do like and follow along that does it for another edition of kyle meredith i'll see you next time Consequence Podcast
0: Network.
3: I mean, I'm in a pretend basement. There's actually windows. I just like to uh, pretend I'm in a basement. I ride a motorbike, so that's what I should do. Forget about the music, man.
0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media.